tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Welcome back, Lister, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. I hope you're keeping well during these times. Now, you may have seen during this coronavirus activity, loads of radio shows and TV stations have medical professionals who are on their shows. Jeremy Vine has Sarah Jarvis. Off the ball has Jason Leach. And Campbell's Footballs today has its very own medical practitioner. And he's also a pretty good footballer as well, or he was certainly when he was playing. I'm joined by the doctor. That is Kenny Duker. Kenny, a warm welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you on. First of all, how are you coping with this coronavirus on the go? Because it must be very busy for yourself as a doctor. Yeah, I mean, to begin with, to be honest, it, it was very quiet um, because we basically had to shut our doors and stop seeing patients face to face. And I think patients initially were quite um, reluctant to, to seek um, help or advice for for maybe other problems that, that were not related to the, the coronavirus, but that has uh, picked up over uh, the weeks. But the, the quiet period allowed us to do a lot of preparation for patients that have to shield and you know speak to our older patients and things to try and get them prepared for yep. you know the, the, what, what was what was ahead. Even though we were we were kind of walking into the, the abyss, mm-hmm. really with um, yep. the. the the uncertainty of it all, but I, I mean, for me personally, it's it's been okay because I find that because I've got a routine, it's it's actually helped us. Like in our house, where family, the kids still are going to the school hub um, a few days a week because my, my wife is also a nurse. Okay. So I think it's been difficult for for a lot of people that maybe the routine has mm-hmm. uh, been interrupted, and while we've had a lot of recognition for working on the front line I felt that we are actually fortunate that we know what we have to do yes we have had a routine right from the beginning um, and uh, that has really kind of helped us I think to you know break up the day I mean imagine people have been tearing their hair out with um, what they're going to do what they're going to get up to um, everybody's had to adjust but people who have been able to continue to work albeit the uh, the, the work may have changed so a lot of people obviously working from home and there was the, there would be the, the initial difficulty getting that uh, set up but really um, once you're set up and you're, you're in your routine if you're actually able to work in that way yeah. um, it's much better than I suppose being in the uncertainty and maybe the furlough scheme or, or, or whatever so although we, yeah, we've been kind of well, working on the front line and in very commas um, it, it, it's actually helped us as a family to be able to have a routine and, and just get just get on with things really yeah have you been inundated with emails and texts and phone calls during this period because as i mentioned at the beginning you know we're seeing people like jason leach becoming a prominent figure on off the ball we're seeing sarah jarvis become a prominent figure on jeremy vine's five show and on his radio show i mean have you been inundated with lots of uh, issues um I, I wouldn't say inundated with regards to the media i've done started and then they got me back on kind of uh, just for five kind of ten minutes to speak about the coronavirus and things that I've done I've done another podcast uh, well no advertise it Yeah, absolutely. As we're recording this, we're on the 29th of May. Um, obviously, Scottish football is, you know, in a period of flux at the moment. I mean, when do you see us getting back to some form of the new norm in Scottish football? Oh, well, that's a, that's a question that I, I, I 
question I would like to know the answer to. Um, one of the one of the most restrained things for me is my, my wee boy is ten, uh, coming on eleven this year, and I had uh, um, ended up taking his football team, so there was nobody else to take. I took it over at Christmas. I was really quite apprehensive about doing it um, in the, the first instance. And then I was just kind of getting into it, really enjoying it, and all the rest of it. And then the coronavirus hit, and it's been really, really frustrating um, not not doing that anymore. And the uncertainty of when we can get the kids back, are we still going to have enough members in the team? The, the, the uncertainty with that has, has been uh, difficult. So I'm watching uh, very carefully um, and with interest about what is happening in Scottish football because that will filter down into something that kind of more directly affects me and, and, and my wee boy and my, and my team. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it's reassuring, I suppose, and it's exciting that some of the uh, other leagues are, are starting to come back, albeit uh, behind uh, closed doors. Um, obviously, I've been watching a wee bit of the Bundesliga since it um, kicked off and then Recently, I think yesterday, they announced that the Premier League are planning to restart on the, the 17th of June, uh, pending uh, government approval. So, these, I suppose these are steps in the right direction. And yeah. uh, hopefully, we can we can get something going in Scotland. I mean, from my own selfish point of view, I'm, I'm interested in when it's safe to get the kids back. Absolutely. Training. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, for the start of the new season in, in August, we can be... Uh, up and running safely but again we will just have to wait and see I think it's still too early I was listening to Nicola Sturgeon uh, yesterday and it's really dependent on how everybody you know sticks to the the sort of guidelines that that they have put down as how quickly we can get through the through the phases and hopefully it's not a couple of steps forward and then then a few steps back, if Absolutely. you like. Um, but it remains to be seen uh, what happens. But, I mean, things seem to be moving in the right direction, but you're never sure when they make a change um, what, what, what is going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely, Kenny, and I think I, I echo your comments uh, 100%. I'm really interested to learn your footballing career, Kenny, and thanks very much for coming on the show. It's not every day that a doctor, not a medical doctor like you are, but you know I'm a doctor of myself in science, and it's very... A PhD yes, I'm a PhD doctor, yes. So uh, it's very rare to have a fellow doctor to chat to, albeit you're much more qualified in these sorts of affairs than I am, but nevertheless, it's always good to, to chat with, with someone of uh, high esteem. I'm really interested to know about your, your footballing journey and, and some of your stories from that. So my first question I always ask my listeners, uh, my guests I should say is, what made you want to go into football in the first place? Um, a ten on a week. That was, uh, so I, I, used to, I used to play basketball and uh, that was really the sport that I was kind of serious about when I was uh, younger. I dabbled a wee bit in, uh, in rugby and I kind of always uh, played uh, football, but the serious sport, uh, particularly high school, was basketball, and I represented ba- uh, Scotland at basketball at under 18 level. All right. So I was really planning on, you know, carrying on with the, the basketball when I went to university. As I said, I, I dabbled with the football and uh, I played with a, a, an amateur team just before I was uh, going to university um, because they had let me have a go at playing as a striker which I had never really uh, done before. I'd always been, you know, in the centre of midfield or, or, or in the centre of defence uh, for, for the school. Um, but then I kind of lost, lost interest in playing in defence, which was probably my best position yeah. when I was younger. I played in their, their school team. We won the, the Scottish Cup um, at under 16 level and I was, I was a centre-half yeah. uh, at the time. So that was probably my best position. But I didn't enjoy it. So... Um, I'd kind of given up on the football and I was concentrating on basketball, I was playing basketball every day. But then when I went to university in Dundee, there wasn't really a, a close National League uh, basketball team. Um, I would have had to have done a lot of travelling uh, to keep that going and, and moving from under 18 to, to adult, I felt that maybe I wouldn't get as much uh, time on the court as yeah. what I had uh, used to. So I basically got was playing with my amateur team 
in the summer and we played against a few uh, junior teams yeah. uh, as, as pre-season friendlies and after after the game or one game that I played there was another team manager there watching two teams wanted to sign me right. um, I had never been in that position before I'd always been the kid that uh, as a youngster going along to a football team I'd be going along for a trial yeah. and hoping hoping fingers crossed that mm-hmm. I would be like good enough to get uh, signed with the team and, and play with the team so when I had the uh, I had a, then I had a choice to make and it, that was really a, a, a very uh, unusual situation and, and out with the comfort zone and I felt I felt um, guilty letting one of the teams one of the teams down yeah. but um, that, that's kind of how it started the, the team offered me £10 a week to come home which I was planning on doing anyway uh, to Denny from Dundee to Denny yeah. and they were going to give me a tenner a week for my petrol so yeah, I thought well in those days everybody seems to forget about the inflation now but the 40 quid a week back then was was quite a lot of money and then they'll last long at uni in the studio well that's very true <laughs> I was just having a look at your youth career Kenny you played for Denny BC Deanburn BC in Brightest Bonus Stenish Muir Pro Youth Aberforth Rangers Amateurs, Dundee University Medical School AFC, Bonnybridge Juniors and Falkirk Pro Youth. I mean, they must have all been very different clubs to play for, but all very interesting and unique nonetheless. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the Dundee, I, th- I think the Dundee thing was just, I read, I, I, I played as a ringer a couple of times. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was, uh, but, but that was that was more of the, the Dundee uh, Medical School team that just played within the, the university but I didn't tell Falkirk at the time that um, I was playing in those games I think that would have been uh, been frowned upon yes. in case I, I picked up a, picked up an injury um, but yeah I mean the, the, the Stennis Muir Pro Youth I was kind of playing centre half centre midfield we, we weren't very good um, at that time the Pro Youth was um, you were playing against the likes of Rangers and Celtic and all the top teams whereas now it's it's all uh, it's all separated and there's there's different leagues. In fact, it wasn't long after I did that way, Stennis Muir, that, that things did get you know separated. Yes. Uh, we we were playing against like the, all the top all the top teams uh, by then, and we, we took a few hammerings to be honest. And uh, I, I I was only really filling a position. I was not going to train ever. I would turn up for the game. Yeah. So I wasn't really taking it seriously uh, back then. Uh, I was, as I say, I was, I was too busy with the basketball. Um, it was just, you know, something to do, and I, I, I kind of started doing that for, as a favour, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. And, uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a fourth. That was the amateur team I played with, um, and uh, yeah, it was for there that I, I kind of started with, with playing striker, and, 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 and things kind of started to. Uh, Snowball for me, really, yeah. uh, before, before I got injured. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Falkirk and, and notably Alex Totten, as you mentioned. I mean, what was he like to work with? Um, well, it, I think it was difficult. Um, I, I suppose uh, as a as a youngster and also not being at training because they were a full team club and I was training with teams like uh, Forfar and Arbroath uh, during the week and trying to force my way into the team. And even back then. It was only, to begin with, it was only three subs. Mm-hmm. So it was even more difficult to get a place in the bench. To, yeah. you know, uh, so I was found out a couple of times and then I, I broke my leg uh, the same place twice within uh, within 11 months. And so I spent about 18 months on the, the sidelines. I mean, I was fortunate that Alec Torn had seen enough in me that, he, uh, that he, he kept me around. I mean, I think if I'd been more expensive, he wouldn't have kept me around. But yeah. I was cheap and I was very uh, low risk. Yes. Um, so, uh, and, and with budgets and things, that's probably what kept me uh, kept me around. But I was just 
In terms of the injury, the injuries that you picked up, I mean, how tough mentally and physically was that for you to to get through those? It's a very interesting point because obviously we're in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic and I've seen a lot of professional football players that are wanting to kind of think about life after after football and I know that I think Gary Neville was talking about this on, on one of the, the Sky Sports programs about you know footballers going into to do like a degree or something like that I mean that has to be encouraged don't you think? Physically developed. I mean, while I was at university, 
I, between the ages of 18 and 23, I gained a stone, that's probably muscle mass, you know, um, from where I was when I was 18. It's, it, it, but kids are getting chucked on the scrap heap at 18, 19. I think one of the examples uh, would be uh, Jesse Lingard, that uh, United, yeah. He was been there for years and years and years, and I've read stuff about him being labelled as he is a slow developer physically, yeah. but he's stuck. Very interesting thoughts and ideas that I certainly can't disagree with from the outside looking in. You scored your first career goal against Cali Thistle for Falkirk. I mean, what do you remember your first goal? Fantastic. After your uh, time at Falkirk, which was uh, marred by those injuries, as you mentioned, you moved to East Fife, and I, I, I want to know the reason why you wanted to move to East Fife. Um, so I think I, I, uh, I, I Falkirk basically Alec Totten uh, was kind of I don't want to say sacked, but they parted mutually agreed to part at yeah. the end of the, the end of the season. Um, and as I said before, I was uh, wasn't really getting a look in at Falkirk, and um, I had spoken to the, the new East Fife manager at the time, and I was just desperate to go someplace and I'd hopefully play every week. Then, yeah. And I'd be part of a team. So like I'd been training with uh, for for a growth. I wasn't really part of there. I was, yeah. I was like a wee extra, and maybe a bit of an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at Falkirk, I was just coming up on a Saturday, so I didn't ever feel part of anything. But Ian McCall was coming in uh, to be the manager at Falkirk, and I had no idea what he might have thought of me. Um, and I 100% wanted to leave, and I was hoping that he was going to come in and say, oh, you're rubbish, I don't want you, you can leave. Um, but I was, I was worried that he was going to keep me because, you know, as I said, I was a very cheap option to have. Yeah. Just in case for the bench, and I, I, like I, I was, I was worried that he was going to say, "Oh, well, my budget's tight, but I've got a boy here who's, you know, 22. He's still maybe got a bit of potential. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but he's very cheap. So I'm going to keep him around." Yeah. But luckily for me, um, I uh, he, he released me. And to be fair, um, he was he was I think worried about releasing me. So um, he. Um, spoke to him on the phone and he wanted me to come in face to face but I was in Dundee at uni at the time and I was like look Ian I, I, I just want you to tell me one way or the other on the phone so that we can get on with things I, I, I don't need you to speak to me face to face if you're going to release me yeah. and he's like oh well I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to I, I'm going to release you and I was like that's totally fine uh, I'll, I've, uh, I'm happy with that I'm, I've got some, something sorted yeah. um, I can one because at, at that time I was obviously under 24. So if you had seen me, I couldn't do anything about it. They, yeah. they, they couldn't offer me peanuts just on the same terms, and I wouldn't have been able to um, do anything else because uh, even if I wanted to leave, that, that team would have had to pay a fee for me, and that would have scared everybody off because yeah. uh, it would have been too big a risk. But I was, I was desperate to leave. Mm-hmm. I was desperate to go to East Fife. They were the only team in for me, to be honest. Right. Um, and the new manager had been the goalkeeping coach at um, Forfar when I was training there and when I was rehabbing for injury. So that's where he knew me from. Okay. There wasn't really any, any other interest, so I was fortunate enough. I signed East Fife for, for peanuts and 
Yeah, you absolutely made your, your name at uh, East Fife with 31 goals and 66 appearances, which is quite astonishing. Uh, you also played for East Fife while you were continuing your job as a full-time doctor. I mean, how tough is that to balance footballing life? I mean, obviously football is part-time, but your, your, your medical work is obviously a full-time job and very, very demanding, I would assume. Yeah, so the first year I was at East Fife, I was still at uni. I was in my final year right. at university, so uh, that was totally fine. So that worked out, no na- bother really. Um, that was, uh, and that was my best season there, and we got promotion yep. uh, in, in that year. The second year, when we were promoted to the the, uh, the, the second division, that was a challenge because I went straight into working in the hospital, uh, averaging um, between 48 hours a week and 84 hours a week, depending on what kind of shift I was on. So, I was sometimes I was coming off a night shift mm. and playing, and then sometimes even having a night shift again the following day. So right. it, it, that was a real, uh, a real, real challenge. Um, and it, probably in that second season, uh, it, I, that affected my game. Right. Um, so it, I, it was it was very difficult doing that, and I don't think that I would have been able to continue even playing part time football for very much longer. Um, if if I hadn't had the opportunity to to, to go full time at the end of that uh, that that year, yeah. um, but I had to do that year in the hospital because that's the year that you have to do. It's like kind of like a probationary Aye. year. Yes. Get your registration with the GMC. So I had to complete that. So there was no option but to complete that. But I had in my head though that. Um, after I completed that, I was going to take some time out for medicine, mm-hmm. at least six months, and I was considering going and just playing for not like going and training and teams trying to get trials um, and just doing that for six months, mm-hmm. trying to get up as fit as I could possibly be, and you know, give it my best shot to just um, get get in training, and I would have done that for for no wages for six months, but. Yeah, and let's talk about Gretna because that really is a, a fairy tale story in itself, or certainly was at the time. I mean, what does the what does Gretna mean to you, Kenny? Um, I mean, I think it was an opportunity at the time, and I've said before, maybe maybe I took the easy option by signing for Gretna. So, as I said, I had considered just going and training and trying to get a full-time uh, club and going in on trial and, and, and doing it that way, but uh, Gretton offered me the chance to hopefully play every week and, uh, and start at a lower level yeah. full-time. So it was maybe the, the safe, easy option yeah. um, at the time. Um, fortunately, the first year everything went great, but really it started to, you know, not... not I, I didn't particularly go on with the manager uh, at any time um, and, and most of the stuff at Gretna within uh, for the manager and, and a lot of the players was negative <laughs> towards me, whereas everything outside the press and all that yes. was all very positive. So it was a, it was a bit, it was difficult to get your head around at the time um, all the negativity. And I didn't really. The, the main thing was that I didn't get on with the, the manager, um, and that, that was very difficult. And, I, I spent some time away for Gretna. I was uh, on loan um, at uh, St Johnston. I was on loan at uh, Northampton. Uh, prior to that, I had handed in uh, a transfer request. So nice. with the you know, uh, first uh, first season, um, it wasn't particularly enjoyable. Uh, the, the second season, obviously, we had the run to the, the cup final and, and all the rest of it, and, and that was brilliant. But behind the scenes, it, it, it wasn't a happy time. Now that's very interesting to hear that. I mean, why did you think that that didn't quite work out? Was it just you know big personalities and and, and different people, or why did it why did it not click? Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, is it just, is it just part is it just part and parcel of, of football? You know, there's some some yeah, people I mean, just I don't think, work. I just on with the, 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 the manager and has the way he did things, and I, and I just yeah. never. Uh, particularly yeah. um, wanted what what he was like. I, I, I just and, and I, I, there was a there was definitely a clash of personalities. I mean, I'm certainly not um, wasn't a big personality yeah. uh, within this room, but 
but um, I'm not going to take a I'm not likely to take a backward step and, and accept things and I, I just it, it, it didn't it didn't work out uh, sure. well yep. the, the relationships and, and it was strained at mm-hmm. times he, he, he fined me a few times which I felt was um, not um, not justifiable yeah um, and uh, it was just generally not very nice to me yeah um, so yeah there was a there was a class there and then i had asked to get out before he was actually put on gardening leave right and so I, I feel as if i i yeah uh, I, I knew i knew what it was like before everybody else you're right right it's it's, it's interesting to just hear that because you know that when i speak to some players who you know have issues with with other managers at clubs you know sometimes it can be it just simply doesn't work and you know and that, that that's part and parcel of football isn't it absolutely i mean i've that um, it's it's not worked out for me on the on the field with them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, Stephen Presley um, at Falkirk, Billy Reid uh, uh, at Hamilton, um, they were both desperate to get me. Yeah. And then it didn't really work out on the, the field. But I do not have a bad word to say about either of them. I got on very very well with them. They just didn't fancy me as a player yeah. on the or, or one day to help me in the team. It, it didn't work out, but as far as you know, a relationship goes yeah. with these guys, like there was absolutely no issue. And I actually even enjoyed being at training, being around the, the team, even although I wasn't playing yeah. in, in those scenarios. Whereas at Gretna, I was pretty much playing every week, but I hated it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's very interesting. It, it, it does. It, it does depend on uh, the, the relationships can be very different. Yeah. And, and you know, as long as somebody's honest with you, I think you can have that uh, that, that good relationship. When, when when people tell you that maybe you're not not good enough or, or not at that at that level, does that inspire you to prove people wrong? <laughs> I, mean, I, I think that probably happened to me. If, uh, I was at I was at school. Like I was never like one of the. I think I just stuck around long enough that I I managed to improve. I managed to, you know, as I mentioned earlier, develop physically. Yeah. Um, when, when I when I left school at, at eighteen, I was I was six foot. I was six foot one. I put on about three inches uh, by the time I was twenty twenty one, and then I filled out as well. So physically, I was a different. Uh, I was a different. Uh, I was totally different when I yeah. was 21, 22 than I was when I was uh, when, when I was younger. I was a mm-hmm. different type of player by then. Luckily, yeah. I was able to score goals that kept me in the game uh, long enough to you know develop physically and yeah. uh, develop my, my touch. I mean, my touch was never never brilliant, but it definitely improved because I spent more more time with it. You can you yeah. can be better than that. You can you can't really teach somebody to be you can well you can't teach somebody to be six foot four you know and and, and weighing fourteen. 14 and a half stone you can't teach that but yeah. you know I was fortunate enough that uh, I managed to stick in the game long yeah. enough that other things uh, improved and, ov- and obviously your, your name really caught media headlines because Jeff Stelling of Gillette Soccer Saturday fame really highlighted you on numerous occasions I mean what was it like what does it feel like to be fi- found fame in essence by a guy of such high esteem as Jeff Stelling I, well, I think he was he was the actually that famous back like back in the day because like, like he's like the main man obviously yeah but when even after like the Gretna uh, days he was like the obviously the host on soccer Saturday and there was all I think he was becoming big at that time yes around that time but when I signed for uh, Northampton in uh, two thousand and seven on loan. I went to do like a, a like a play, we were playing against Brentford at Brentford, and it was only about two or three weeks after I had went there. And I'm I'm at the tunnel, and there's Jeff Stelling, right? Because he's got the gig for covering this League One game down in England. So yeah. like he would like he would never be doing anything like that. Yeah. Um, but that was that was obviously the first time uh, I had. I had met him and he gave me a lot of exposure. I met him a couple of times, I met him another time when he was up. Uh, we co-opened uh, the call centre, uh, uh, the Sky call centre at Huddingston. And uh, 
did that Watford Leicester game didn't they which was uh, quite uh, strong uh, yeah yeah another guy you're speaking about I think it used to do like the rules games yes. all the time uh, before they were in the Prem but um, the uh, the Leicester Green. He does a lot of stuff as well for charity with uh, Men, Men United as well, isn't he? And, and I was doing all these kilt walks and everything. It, fantastic. Uh, 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 he's, uh, he's, just, he's just brilliant. He's just brilliant. Yeah, let's talk about your, your loan time when you were at, when you were at Grenada. You mentioned you were at Northampton and obviously you were at St Johnston as well. When you go out on loan to a club, I, I talked about you know earlier on about proving people wrong. Was, was that another segment to that? Yeah. Um, 
and then I trained on the Friday morning, and then I was playing uh, against Crew Alexandra on the on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I think I was driving down on the first day, and I was like, right, the fact in week one, I, I've bitten off more than I can chew here. I'm, uh, I've no, I've no played at this level before. Yeah. This is like, I think this is a, a level up for playing in the first division, and I just kind of been. I done a wee bit with Falkirk and then with Grena I had been playing in the first division but not really getting a, a good proper run and I was like this is a level up for uh, first division am I, am I going to be able to cope with this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just, but I just had to go down and like uh, do as best I could and luckily it worked out really well for me and uh, everything went brilliant in Northampton they wanted to keep me I wanted to stay but Grena like, played oh, they, they, they just uh, they just messed it up for me. They wouldn't let me leave. Right. They said, well, we need you for the Premier League once I come back. And I, I probably, the, the problem was that I'd done, I done really well at Northampton and they mm. were desperate for me. So right. So I was like, well, wait a minute here. He's actually better than what we thought. Uh -huh. Or he's improved by going down there. Uh, we can't afford to get rid of him. We're moving, on, uh, moving up to the Premier League. So... I probably did myself no favours by doing really well, but if I hadn't done well, my career probably would have been over at that yes, point. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, it's very difficult. The, the problem was that I had the Gretna had me like baggy rights where yeah. I, another year on my contract, so yeah. I couldn't. I was I was reading this interesting story here. Now you can confirm to me if this is true or not. But it says on your final game for Northampton away at Doncaster, the fans held a Doctor's Day in your honour and doing white doctor jackets for the game. Is that true? That is true. That is true. I know it's unbelievable. In fact, there was some fans that started like wearing like doctor's gear and nurses' gear and all that. I've got a picture someplace in me after a game at Blackpool. Yeah. That um, the, 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 a few of them are dressed up. But I'm looking so like the last day of the season it was a brilliant day, like it was a brilliant weather and uh, the, the, we when we were driving it wherever it was we were going, mm -hmm. uh, I don't cast the way we were going for uh, like pre match, lunch and you know, the rest of them were stopped at service stations and stuff on the way. And I'm not kidding you. They were everywhere. Yeah. Like the backboats and full tech. It was it was it was amazing for me. It was absolutely it was absolutely brilliant. They, the Northampton fans really, really took to me. Yeah. Uh, I only scored three goals. Yeah. Them, but the three goals that I scored were like we were we were close to the relegation yeah. uh, uh, area at the time. And then in a month, I think we played like four or five games, and I scored in three of the games in the one month, and it was all against teams that were directly competing against us ah. for relegation. So I scored against Rotherham, uh, I scored against uh, Bournemouth, and I scored a last-minute winner uh, at Valley Parade against Bradford. Yeah. And all three teams, are, 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 maybe all those three teams actually got relegated that year. But we were right in the the mix for that, and I think that really the fans really took to me, and yeah. like, I think they saw my effort, and I was more than just a. I think I'd probably been a great thought mayor of just a goal scorer. Yeah. Whereas when I went down there, I was more a kind of target man, a foil for yeah. other uh, other players. Yeah. Uh, decent players in that team. Uh, actually, and we ended up with a, a, a proper mid-table finish, which was the highest I think that Northampton had finished in the English leagues for years. Mm -hmm. But we were really on the on the cusp of relegation yeah. for a wee while. So I, I mean, it, it, they they just really took to me, and, and it was brilliant for me. It was absolutely brilliant for me. Cult status, lad, fantastic. Let's talk about uh, your loan spell at St Johnston, because obviously you were at St Johnston for a loan spell when you were at Gretna as well. I mean, how different was that again? came in for me on loan, I was, it was Gretna in the Premier League and uh, when Gretna came to me and said, well St Johnson want you to take you on loan and we're going to let you, I was I was proper raging, I, like, I, I was so angry because obviously I had the move to Northampton was like, um, was sorted but by the time the 
Mason Johnson came in, which was closing in on the end of the transfer window. Yeah. And I hadn't started a game in the Premier League, which I was, I mean, at the time my head was gone. And uh, by the time that St. Johnson came in, Northampton had already signed another target man. Yeah. So I, I did speak to the Northampton manager and, I was like, and he was like, look, I'm, so I've spent my budget and I've got somebody else. I, I would love to have had you, obviously, but there's no scope. So I was like, right, well, I'm, I'm definitely not sticking around the Gretna. So I took the drop back to the, the division, uh, to the first division. And really, I had a brilliant time up there. Like, I, I mean, I scored loads of goals. Uh, I developed a really good partnership with Andy Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we scored the, in the, the time that I was there. I played 12 or 13 games across the league and uh, the Challenge Cup because we won the Challenge Cup. That's right. Uh, when I was there, which was which was brilliant. Uh, I think we scored 18 goals between us. I think I got 10 goals in a really short uh, space of time, and uh, that really was a, a real stepping stone for me um, to uh, you know get going again. And, I got a lot of video footage for that that helped me get my move to, to the, the, the States yeah. a few months later. Yeah. Um, but I was disappointed to have to leave St. Johnson, to be honest with you, but I was only an emergency loan. Yes. I had to go back because the emergency loan finished yes. out with the transfer window. So it, there was no scope for extending it. It was the beginning of December. I just had to go back and the manager, Greta wasn't doing very well, and the manager said to me, well, if you do come back, we really struggled. I promise you'll play 90 minutes every game. And I was like, well, that's a chance at least to put myself in the short window again. Yeah. I, I, I made an agreement with Brooks at the time that if I could get something in the transfer window, he would let me go. You know, if, if, if I got something uh, that was that was good. And uh, eventually I did kind of uh, manage to engineer a move to, to the States. But yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, I would never go that far. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned about America a couple of times in this podcast, and I, I'm really interested to learn about Real Salt Lake because that's where you you went to in America. I mean, the MLS as it is now is totally evolved. When you started playing it in America, what was it like? Um, it was exciting because you know we we moved, so we played. I originally played at a university stadium, uh, the University of Utah. And I had a capacity of about 45,000. Yeah. And I think the biggest crowd that we had, I think we, we had about 25,000 at um, a couple of games. Maybe uh, the Chicago Fire came. Yeah. And they had a guy called uh, Cuauhtemoc Blanco and the Hispanic and Mexican following mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And, like, back to like, like, yeah. like, Was it, Is this the like, same? Is this? Yeah, yeah is this? And obviously Beckham. Yeah. Well, so... Um, but during that season, we moved to a soccer-specific stadium, so like a grass pitch, brand new stadium was getting built while I was there. So that was all very exciting in, uh, in Utah. But it was it was exciting to play some of these big stadiums. I played at, um, well, it's now closed now, but um, Giant Stadium, I played there. So that hope held like 90,000. I mean, there wasn't that when we played in it, but yeah. to be in that stadium and you know, played at Gillette Stadium, uh, the the New England Patriots uh, Stadium, places yeah. like that. It was, it was <laughs> that was amazing. And then you, you played at like a, a minor league baseball stadium when you played against uh, Kansas City, and that was weird as anything. So yeah. it was it was just kind of taken off. Like the, there was some soccer specific stadiums, but now it's massive. Yeah, like it, it's really it's really taken off. And uh, there's still a couple of guys that I played with are, are, are still playing in the league and still keep an eye on it and, and, and it's, it's great to, to see them uh, stop playing because you know MLS is really really taking strides forward since I was there uh, yeah. 12 years ago Is it because of you know players like Drogba and, and, and players obviously like Beckham and Gerrard that went over there earlier in their careers is that a big reason why MLS has really kind of shot up the, the ladder? I, I mean I think obviously Beckham to begin with that, 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 was, the, that was the big one uh, and Blanco as well. I mean, he was he was a threat, and, and that that's like the the Mexican kind of kind of following uh, because he's probably outside of Hugo Sanchez. He's their greatest ever player. Yeah, uh, Blanco. Um, so uh, he the, they they started getting these players that when I was over there they had uh, Juan pa- Pablo Angel as well. Yes. Um, then there 
was Terry Henry not long after uh, after I was there. So there, there's been a lot of players that have kind of gone over there. I mean, there's pr probably no so many marquee names right at this moment in time, but the standards going up. There's more teams, yeah. there's more interest. Um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely improved that way, and, and uh, they, 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 they did they have taken a lot of players, but it's been players that are really at the end of their career uh, most of the time, um, which maybe that'll shift. But you know, they, I mean, they've had some fantastic players playing in that league. Ibrahimovic, uh, as you say, Gerard Lampard, Pirlo, David Villa. Like I mean, like Drogba. Like like these players are like. Top, top, top players. And, yeah. You know, that, that's definitely, definitely helped the league. Did part of you want to stay in America and live a new life over there? Um, well, yes. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think I could have practiced in a medical capacity over there. Sure. I just, I, I just feel as if the, the ethics of the whole system and all the rest of it would not have... Uh, in an environment that I would have been comfortable having been brought up in the, 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 this country with the, with the National Health Service and the ethos behind that, I just I, I, I would have found it very, very difficult to yeah. uh, move into that, that kind of uh, system of uh, if you've not got insurance or you've not got money, then that's you, you're, we're not going to leave you. Yeah. If like, I, I, mean, I, I would have found that too, too difficult to, to handle. Yeah, no, very interesting. So you come back to Scotland, um, and then you, you sign up with Hamilton for a short period of time, and then you go back to St Johnston for a second spell. I mean, what's it like coming back to Scotland after your experience in America? Did you feel more rounded as a person? You gained a lot more experiences from your time at Real Salt Lake? Um, I mean, I think every experience that I've had prior to that made me a better, a better player. As I said before, I, I didn't really get much... Uh, with regards to football when I was at Hamilton. Um, it wasn't until I moved to St Johnson that I started to kick on again. Um, and I think the benefit of all the experiences that I had been through, the season I had with St Johnston in the Premier League is the best football that I've played in my career. Albeit maybe I didn't score as many goals as I've scored uh, previously, but you know I was playing every week. I was a, I was a vital part of the team. We, we, we beat Rangers 4-1, they won the league that year, we beat Hibs 5-1, I was, I was really at the very top of my game yeah. uh, ever in my career and uh, then I decided to retire. Yeah. Uh, I, think I, wanted to, I, I think I was happy with my career and I think it was time to move on and back into medicine and I'm pleased that you know I took the decision to retire full-time football when I had a, had a two-year contract on the table um, against the St Johnston and I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy that I didn't allow uh, football to decide that I'd run my course. Yes. Um, I, 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 I kind of went out at my, uh, at my peak, if you like, yeah. on, on my own terms. So yeah. I'm quite happy I did that. Yeah. Maybe you think, oh, what, what might it have been if I had stuck around, but yeah. I, I don't see it being, uh, being a, a positive thing. I, I had a, few, a couple of years uh, part-time or won another league with, with Livingston and had a, yeah. had a good time, uh, time there, so um, I, I'm quite pleased with the decisions I took in, in the end to you know wrap it up. Yeah. Um, on, on my own terms. No, no, absolutely. And I think that's very important for a lot of players to finish up their own terms because some are very unlucky and, and it's they decided for them by injuries and, and, and other such circumstances. Uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast, Kenny, but a few short questions to ask you before we wrap things up. You've played under um, some interesting managers. I mean, who's the best manager that you played under?
they got the best out of me. Yeah. So they were they were happy with me. They, they, I was an integral part of both their, their teams and the way that they wanted to play. And so, I mean, obviously, when you feel as if you feel as if you're valuable to somebody, you're going to have a, a bias to say that they are the best manager that you played in. So, from a personal point of view, I've definitely those two uh, were, were the best for my career. Yeah. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed playing under under both of them. I mean, Stuart Gray did not take any any crap. Um, he was like, but he was straight. Like he would explain his decision not to play you. He was uh, he, he was confident in his convictions. There was there was one time I uh, he, he took me and he says you're not playing this week. Um, I'm going to go with Andy Kirk and uh, Simon Cox away to Leighton Orient. Um, but you're going to start next week against Scunthorpe. Now Scunthorpe were top of the league. They were running away with uh, top of the league and uh, mm-hmm. they were they were coming and they could have won the league I think that day uh, if, if they had been us. So I was like, right, fine. So at least he's been honest with me. So we go to Leighton Orient and, and uh, I think Andy Kirk and Simon Cox both scored and, I was, and, and we won the game away at Leighton Orient and I was like, oh, that, there's no way I'm going to start next week now. Yeah. But fair enough, like he, 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 he started me and we, we won that game as well. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and like so respectful in mm-hmm. the, the, the he wanted to set his team up in a particular way mm-hmm. depending on the opponents and to win whereas I had been with managers on it like before like say Alec Totten see if, see if the team won one week it didn't matter who you were playing the weekend after it'd be the same team yeah same with Owen Coyle if, if it, he was very superstitious if, it was, if the team was winning he wouldn't change it yeah whereas when we went to play, like Derek McInnes and, and uh, Stuart Gray, they kind of, they had the courage of making decisions that might have been like criticised, like if you won a game, but they were still prepared to change it for the next one because they thought that that was the best way to try and win that particular game. Yeah. There's so much respect for that kind of, that kind of, um, that kind of decision making. Yeah, um, in terms of competitors as well, um, who's the, the hardest competitor you've come up against? of playing with at the clubs you've been at? Train and play alongside 
Ian Jess for a short period of time what a player in Northampton and although he was really coming towards the end of his career when I, when I played there but you know I, I, I watched him when I was like uh, a youngster playing for Aberdeen and all that and I, I, I couldn't believe I was sitting across a table on the, the team bus travelling to, travel to games with him and boy Ian Taylor at, at, at Aston Villa um, but uh, Ian Jess I mean he was he was a very like uh, I couldn't believe I was playing the same team as him, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and second last question. Um, your favourite game, favourite goal? Oh, um, I'll probably say that the, the uh, two, two probably, the, the, the best one and the, 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 the best uh, time we scored it was with East Fife. I scored in like injury time to get us promoted. So if I hadn't scored, then... We, we wouldn't have got promoted yeah. and we scored like right in the last minute that was like that was absolutely that was absolutely brilliant um, also the, the I scored in the Scottish Cup semi-final uh, against Dundee that yeah. was fantastic and I mentioned earlier I scored at Valley Parade um, that was like the last minute as well uh, to get us the win in a relegation dogfight really yeah. um, and a game that we had gone behind and then came back so um, but those are probably the three that Yeah, fantastic. And last question for you, because we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, obviously, you're very busy in the medical professional woman, and, and at this time of this global pandemic that we're in, you know, we are indebted to the NHS and, and doctors like yourself to, to keep people um, healthy during this very difficult time. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to people to take care and stay safe during this period? Oof. I think the message is still stay at home, isn't it? Yeah. Um, have been lifted is the, the worry that everybody will go mental yeah. think oh that's the green light to you know uh, go for it and, and, and uh, that, that's that's probably the worst thing uh, that, that, that could happen but yes. it's a real danger when you know people are, it's really so difficult to, to uh, control yourself in these scenarios because we all want to see loved ones we all want to see pals and and all the rest of it, but it's, it's just, I, I think it's probably reining ourselves back a wee bit, that's, that's the thing, so um, no more metal with the, 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 the lifting of the restrictions, I think it's still stay at home is the, is the key message as much as possible and not like go metal with the slight reduction in the, 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 the restrictions, so that's, that's the biggest, that's probably the biggest worry for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a very important time. In the future, um, you know, what what does the the future hold for yourself? Still continuing the medical and profession, I assume. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm quite settled in uh, a partnership in uh, general practice in, in Denny, and uh, I, I've got I've got great colleagues, brilliant staff, and uh, I, I'm 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 very happy at, at where I work in it, and also. Um, where, I, where I work is, is where I live, so I've no got a commute and, and I, I, it's more time to spend with my kids. My kids are young, 10, uh, 7 and 4, and just getting spending as much time time with them when they're, when they're growing up and, uh, and, and, and you know, hopefully getting back to the football with my oldest. Yes. That's, hopefully that's going to happen in the next few months, but yeah. um, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what the rules are. Absolutely. Well, it's been a real privilege uh, for for me to have an hour of your time to to spend chatting for this podcast, Kenny. You know, we we re- as I said before, we really are indebted to people on the front line and on the NHS, especially during these tough times. Thanks for for taking a time out to chat with myself on Campbell's Footballs. I really enjoyed your chat. Thanks very much. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!